The Bible is one of my most prized possessions. Tells me about Jesus. Tells me about the lover of my soul. Tells me about the one who loves me fully and completely. He knows me since before I was born. He knows my end. He knows me in my good times. He knows me in my bad times. And this Bible tells me about him. And so we cherish God's word and we love reading his word publicly together as we do in private in our homes. And so we want to look at John chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 9 to 18. Father, as we look at the Bible today, as we talk about Jesus, as we talk about the Christmas period that we are in this season, we ask that you would bring clarity to us, and Father, that you would show yourself to us. Would you be gracious to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 9 says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right. Another translation says, the power to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you repeat that phrase for me on the count of three? One, two, three. Full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of, listen to this, his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And then 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 9 says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. I want to talk to us about 
our riches at Christ's expense. This is what Christmas reminds me about. My riches at his expense. I was thinking again as I celebrate my 58th Christmas. And I was thinking just what is it about Christmas that draws the whole world together to call it a holiday in some parts. In the Christian world, we call it Christmas, celebrating his birth. What is it that creates some sense of a dynamic situation that encapsulates the attention of so many people out there? We were with a couple last night, uh, the newly married couple, uh, within our church, uh, Villa and Fabian, and we were just talking and we shared some experiences. And I said to them, traditionally for me, Christmas is not a very spiritual season. And yet, in our minds, we think it's a very spiritual one. It, 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 Christmas isn't a season where I feel very, very close to God. And I asked them, I said, am I the only one who feels like this year after year after year? I don't feel a spiritual thing about Christmas. And some of the people just said to me, no, but we get what you're saying. And I think um, it is because there's so many festivities going on. There's so many traditions. And we know that the word of God says that oftentimes man-made traditions invalidates the power of God's word within a season. And I thought, I wonder over the Christmas periods that the traditions that we celebrate invalidates the incredible truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I sat back over the last week or so as I was thinking about today, and I thought, what does Christmas actually mean to me? And there was a sense of excitement that just rose within my heart. I don't know whether we were, it is just because we were on three weeks of leave. So maybe I should do that every year, then I'll enjoy Christmas maybe more spiritually. You say, well, Pete, you're a pastor. It should be the most spiritual experience. Well, it's not necessarily. I know that when families get together for their Christmas meal, oftentimes families get together because they have to, not because they really love each other. They dread coming together because there's feuds among. I know certainly over the last few years, the devil has brought such division amongst families. So Christmas is not necessarily a very exciting time for people. And yet I believe that as the Christian church, that we could use this period of time where we can tell people about this baby that was to be born. And we read here in John chapter one about the riches that came to you and I at the expense of Jesus, at the expense of the Son, the third person of the Godhead. I feel so grateful that I'm a child of God. I'm so deeply grateful that the gospel reached me. I'm so grateful that Jesus came to me 
even when I wasn't even looking for him. I'm so grateful that he showed himself to me. And that over so many years of celebrating the Christmas season, that he's become more real to me every single year. I think I've served him now for over 50 years. And today, as I stand in front of you, I'm overwhelmed by his kindness and the reality of his presence. And when I read this wonderful chapter within the book of John, because we know that the account of Christ's incarnation, his birth, is given to us in the book of Matthew. It's given to us in the gospel of Luke. It is given to us um, in the book of John. And then we see references all the way through. But we know that in the gospel of Matthew, the incarnation account, the account of Jesus' birth, uh, uh, was given to the Jews. And so, so, uh, so the gospel is written in a particular way to the Jews there. In Mark, it is written in a different way because it is given to the Romans. And so it varies a bit the account of Jesus' birth. In Luke, it is given to the Greeks. And so you see the language he uses and the stories that are told is very relevant to them. Well, when you come to the book of John, the gospel of John, and it's one of those gospels um, that most of us have fallen in love with. We see here that the gospel of John speaks to everyone. The gospel of John is the gospel to lift international church to all nations. Isn't that beautiful? And when we read the account of the birth of Christ, which you see within the first few verses, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with, with God, and the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And then it just continues to speak about this God that became man. When we look at the book of John, he comes and he doesn't talk about all of the other things that the other gospels speak about. He just cuts through all of the stories. And John speaks about God being born and becoming a man and his name is Jesus. And my friends, for me the message to us and to me during this Christmas period is that we need to cut through all of the other stuff that really is just stuff and we need to arrive back at what John calls he who is full of grace and he who is full of truth. I think the world never before needed more truth than they do today. Would you agree? And would you also agree that the world never more needed grace like she needs today? Grace upon grace and truth upon truth. When we encounter Jesus, we encounter grace and we encounter truth in the form 
of a person. That changes us, that revolutionizes us. I said to some people just this past week that uh, the reason why I love to speak about Jesus is because um, that was my first introduction to Christianity. I was a faithful mother who read the Bible to me, so I remembered the Bible from a very young age. That's why I love the Word of God. But I love Jesus because I experienced him first. And the songs over that time in the 70s and 80s were very, very much about Jesus. And I still remember those songs. And so maybe today why my heart just overflows with Jesus because my reference is exactly that. And I was, as it were, baptized in Jesus. And as we were speaking to Fabian and to Villa last night and we were talking about marriage, the marriage of a newly couple and they were asking us about our marriage and I could say to them what's sustained our marriage is not how loving Jenny and I are to each other how selfless we are to one another although those things are very important but I said to them what's really binded or bound us together is the person of Jesus during the difficult times and during the easy times Jesus has been that glue that helped us to stick together. We celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary uh, just about two weeks ago. And I look back, and it's not because of our cleverness that we still love each other. It is because of the Lord Jesus right in the very center of our marriage. I don't know what would have become of me. I don't know what would have become of our marriage. Both Jenny and I, believe it or not, are really strong individuals. Um, she's much more stronger than me, which is, can be very, very stubborn. And we are very independent, so we can do a lot of things just by ourselves. And it's very dangerous because we can actually do a lot of things just by ourselves. But when Jesus is within the center of our marriage, he becomes that glue that sticks us together because of him. When Jesus' presence is no longer strong within our marriage, it causes us to drift. That's our experience. I don't know what your experience is. But we see here when we read John, he speaks to us what Christmas really is all about. And we learn a few things about why you and I are so rich. It is because he was so rich, because he was God. And then he, when he came to earth, became poor. He became poor. Stripped of all of his royalties as, uh, as, as what he had. He was, he was ruling and reigning with the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's the Godhead. But then he had to come to earth and he had to limit himself. He had to put those holy feet on unholy soil. He was contaminated from the outside with sin. Never on the inside. Because he was sinless, he was peerless, he was the son of God. But he came into a world that was sinful. 
He experienced limitations in his humanness. Never ceased to be God, but he became totally man without the sinful nature. But he became poor in relation to what he had. And he became poor so that you and I could become rich in him. Rich in mercy towards my wife. You see, he, he put mercy within my heart for Jen. Grace in Jenny's heart for me. I became rich with a sense of identity. No longer just Piet Wallace, born from the seed of, of Detlef Christian Alexander Wallace, who was my dad, and Elizabeth, and who is my mom. But now, as the scripture says, he placed within me an incorruptible seed, which places eternity within my heart. And because of that seed within me, Jesus, grace and truth grows within me. And that causes me, the longer I live, to become more and more like Jesus as I'm being transformed. Do you get that? My friends, if you had to ask me what is the significance of Christmas, my friends, it is that he became poor so that I can become rich. And man, I am so rich. When I don't have anything more to give, Jesus steps up and he gives to me. So there's a number of things that we understand when we read John chapter one and that we learn about the Christmas account here. Firstly, we need to understand, to really understand Jesus who lives his life through us with grace and truth. We need to firstly understand that Jesus existed before he was born. And I put in brackets, as God. <laughs> Jesus existed before he was born as God. You say, well, that is so theological. No, it's not. The identity that you and I are born with through the new birth in Christ makes you and I sons and daughters and God has placed eternity within our hearts. My friends, we don't have to walk around excusing ourselves. Over the Christmas period, my friends, we should be able to walk around and we should be able to with such a sense of humility, but with a sense of great conviction to say that Jesus is my Lord and King and my Saviour. Why? Because the one that we belong to, the one that we confess, existed before he was born. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made. In him, listen, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has overcome it. My friends, it is so incredibly important that you and I understand that as we walk around within this world, we are the light of God personified. We had the amazing experience just to spend three weeks with our son in Fulham, London. And he's just gotten there, he's got to get used to the culture, get used to a new job. And Jen and I got a place and he stayed with us. And um, it was so wonderful just to be with our son. And as we were walking around in the beautiful city of London, I realized how much London needs Jesus. Wow. And I admired the churches who is the light of the world because Jesus is Lord within those churches. And I realized the massive task. And as we were meeting people after people after people, I heard people around us just use the name of Jesus so flippantly and in vain. And I just caught myself so often wanting to say, but you're speaking about someone who gave everything away so that I can become someone. Because that is what Jesus did. When we mention the name Jesus, we need to understand that who we are cost Jesus everything. That's Christmas. Cost him everything. Because he existed before as God. Verse 10 says, Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And I see it everywhere. The world will recognize him through you. Don't go back to your countries. Don't go back to your families. Don't light, don't hide your light under a bushel this Christmas. The value of the Christmas season is for people to know that Jesus is the light of the world and his light is seen through you and I. But the world does not believe that Jesus is God. They would not speak about him the way they do if they believed and recognized that he was God. I thought as we were worshiping Jesus today, I wonder how you and I would have worshiped this morning if Jesus stood here amongst us. You know, Jesus wouldn't stand in front of us, would he? No, he would be amongst us here. And how would we worship if we saw his presence here? Maybe a slight bit differently you would expect. It's because we walk by faith, we don't see him. But you and I become the presence of God to a world when they look at us. That's the benefit of Christmas. We could use the season for 
people to see Jesus as we were with Chris and his friends in a new place and we helped him, move him, we bought him uh, everything that he needs to live there. And his friends started to move in and I just loved the seamless way in which Jenny could just interact with them and do all of the different things. And at times I just stepped back and I just looked at it and I realized that um, those young men don't know it, but Jenny is that light that's come into the world. There is no ways that they cannot be touched by that light that is within Jenny because that light is God's light because he is God. Jesus existed before he was born. Secondly, we learn from this Christmas account what his name would be and from the other Christmas accounts in Luke chapter one, verses 29 to 33, it says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and you give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and we will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I thought about that over the last few weeks. God was given a human name. That's what makes Jesus quite unique to you and I. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. I will give you the comforter, we understand that, the encourager. But he doesn't have a designated name, a human name, the Holy Spirit. God's name is Yahweh, and we know that he is described as the one who he heals. Um, we know that he is Jehovah Nissi, our banner, you know, and all stuff like that. And so we know that he is described, but Jesus was given a human name. That was his earthly name. Why? Because Jesus would represent you and I before the Father. He would represent the world before the Father. He would become sin so that the Father could look upon us with favor. Jesus, when we mentioned that wonderful, wonderful name, I love songs with the name of Jesus. Worship leaders, let's sing more and more songs about Jesus. Amen? I love to hear his name when we worship. When we sing. I want to sing to him, not just about him. I want to sing to him. Because the name of Jesus is such a sweet name, <laughs> such a powerful name. God was given a human name because he loved us so very, very much. You see, we refer to him as Jesus Christ. Jesus is human name. Christ means anointed one. It, it, it refers to his kingship. That's why the Magi came. In the book of Matthew, of course, speaks to the Jews here. They fell down and they brought gifts to the king, the anointed one. 
My friends, the Jesus that we serve came to represent us before God. But also, he's the anointed one. He's the king. He reigns. He's sovereign and he rules over us. The most beautiful term for me personally when I talk about Jesus, I call him, what do you call him? I call him Lord Jesus. What do you call him? Again, it's from when I was young, we were taught that he is Lord. You bow your knee before him. That's why his command is my wish. He is Lord Jesus. Over this Christmas period, I'm reminded that he is Lord. He's on the throne. Christmas reminds me of what his name is. Never forget that, friends. Thirdly, this Christmas account in the three Gospels reminds me about the reason why Jesus came. That's why we have our Christmas service on the Christmas Eve, is because we want to remind the world of why Jesus came. This is what the scripture says. Matthew chapter one, verse 20 to 23. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of God, or son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name, what? Say it louder. Thank you. Because he will save his people from their sins. My friends, Christmas season is special because that was the beginning of the prophetic fulfillment that Jesus would come to save his people from their sins. Jesus is wonderful at saving because that is his mission. The fourth thing that Christmas reminds us of is that he will be with us forever. And Matthew chapter one verse 22 says, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken. through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him, can, can you say that with me? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas reminds me that Jesus came. Do you know that the Jewish world still stumbles over this truth? They believe that Jesus is still to come, but that he hasn't come. We have people from Jewish descent who will come on Christmas Eve to our service. And when we talk about Jesus, they don't believe that he's come already. But he has come. And he is with us forever.
Erin and Victoria's leaving us. And they moving to Singapore. Dubai. To Dubai. As good. And as they move to Dubai, Emmanuel goes with you. Because God is present with you. How great a truth is that? It is massive, friends. Christmas reminds me of this. And then I will want to conclude now. There's a few things that these passages tell us about ourselves. And this is the first thing. We needed a savior. We needed a savior. You see, you and I are a handful and we need saving. Jesus becomes precious to you when you understood that you need saving and when you reached out to him and he saved you, he's become precious to you. My friends, if Jesus isn't precious to you, I wonder whether you've ever been saved, whether you've ever been born again. Because when he saves you, you look to him and you say, he's the one who saved me. You see, when I got married to Jenny, I needed saving. Men, you needed saving too. Don't look at me just like you are now. You needed some saving too. God sent you that woman that you have. That's right, Christo. (laughs) We needed saving. But mankind needed to be saved from our sins. And the only one who could do that was Jesus. That is what it reveals about you and I. We're sinners. And without saving, we would go to hell. And we would spend all eternity in a place without God. Where the Bible says the worm doesn't die. The flames are never extinguished. Because of our sins, we deserve hell. And everyone who has not reached out to Jesus when he wants to save us, when they die, they will spend their eternity in hell, which is the most dreadful thought, the hardest thing to say from this pulpit. But it's the truth. You and I need saving. I want to ask you today, have you been saved? Have you been saved? I'm not asking whether you are married to a Christian lady or man. I'm not asking whether you are a part of Lyft Church because Lyft cannot save you. Your wife cannot save you. Your husband can't save you. Your association cannot save you. My friends, the only one who can save you is Jesus. And Christmas reminds me that I needed saving. He came to rescue me, came to save me. That's why I cannot help 
when we sing about Jesus, to stand before him, to raise my hands, and to say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you saved me. Kirsty, how long ago did you get saved? 20 years. 20 years ago. I know because I heard her story. She needed saving. You need saving. I'm going to leave it right here. This is what Paul Washer says about Christ saving us. He says, and I quote, To receive the gospel is to receive an entirely different view of reality when Christ is the epicenter of all things. My friends, that is what salvation means. Christ becomes the epicenter of everything within our lives. We view the world differently. We look at ourselves differently. And we see Christmas differently because Jesus is within the very center. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift full of grace and truth.